Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm your host, Courtney Brain. Something Positive for Positive People is the go-to hub of sexual health communication resources for people who are navigating herpes stigma. This podcast itself serves as the distribution format for all of the lived experiences that people have shared with us on their own journeys of navigating STI stigma, learning how to communicate, learning to advocate for themselves uh, in relation to their sexual health. This is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that does a lot specifically for people within the herpes community directly as far as coaching goes, connecting them to community, consistent, accurate, trusting uh, resources, and anything else that's going to help them with their own process of navigating stigma. And today, I am here interviewing one of our board members, Dr. Evelyn Dacker, and what we're going to talk about is we're going to revisit uh episode 99 which was four years ago (laughs) it is so wild to think about so that episode uh is titled integrative disclosure and what we do is we talk through the stars acronym and i'll let evelyn introduce that herself but um this was a really magnificent tool at that time for Uh, supporting people through disclosing their herpes status. So I interviewed her, put that up on the podcast feed. To date, it is our most downloaded podcast episode, the last time that I checked. And uh, it's only right that for episode 299 that we do the same thing. And it'll be easier for me to remember too and tell people, listen, episode 299. Um, So yeah, lots of exciting stuff going on. We're coming up on the 300th podcast episode, which will be released the week after this. I still have to record that one. But, um, yeah, it's really cool to see not only how something positive has developed over the last four years, but also to see, like, that the connection between you and I, Evelyn, as well as the work that you're doing and how things have grown, expanded, and still sort of remain connected. And that's why I wanted to bring you back here. So I'll start by letting you just introduce yourself, and then we can go right into where STARS was and where STARS is. Hey, yay. Well, my name is Dr. Evelyn Molina Jacker, and I'm a family physician in Salem, Oregon. Um, I still practice primary care, but in addition to that, I am a sex educator and specialize in understanding our sexuality and how we communicate our needs, desires, uh, sexual health disclosures to another person before we actually engage in any sexual exchange or behavior or anything. I mean, you could do it afterward too, but it really works best when you do it before. Um, I developed STARS back in 2015, 2016 as a framework for us to be able to clearly be able to say what our needs, wants, desires, in addition to our STI uh, status. Oftentimes when we think of the safer sex talk, we think of it only as like, okay, what do we have to do to stay quote unquote safe, which revolves around uh, STI prevention and not wanting to get pregnant. But really when we deconstruct that whole idea, safety is so much more than just that. And I don't like the entire conversation of the quote unquote safer sex conversation only to revolve around these two things because it then centralizes STIs and makes it the problem that we have to avoid, which I think is uh, giving it way too much emphasis, and recognizing that there's so many, there's these other four elements that we really, if we address and think about, it will give the conversation so much more richness and so much more depth. So um, at this point, it's called the STARS Talk, and STARS is an acronym. It's called the STARS Talk, a revolutionary conversation for great sex and authentic relationships. Thank you. Uh, When we talk about great sex, I'm noticing that there is sort of this coupling of the word pleasure, the word sex, and intercourse. 
oftentimes for people who are newly diagnosed with herpes, they think that they are now not going to be able to have sex. But what I think they really uh, attach that to is the word pleasure. Like now I'm not going to be able to give my partner pleasure because I can't have sex. The reality is that sex is so much more expansive than what we mean when we say we can't have sex anymore, which is oftentimes that I'm not going to be able to engage in intercourse while I am having symptoms. And that's another thing too that people don't understand early on with this diagnosis is that uh, with herpes, you'll have outbreaks. Now, yes, you might shed often um, while even without symptoms, you may shed the virus, but there's still an unlikelihood of being able to pass it on. In the 2021 herpes survey, there are um, people who consent to moving forward in relationships sexually with people who have herpes, uh, while that person may either have not tested positive or um, is unaware of what their herpes status is. Now, the reason that I bring this up is to challenge the initial thought that someone may have coming into this thinking, oh, you know, my sex life is over. No, your sex life is going to look significantly different. And what the stars talk overall does is it offers you the opportunity to reflect on what sex can be, what sex is for you. And in that sense of uh, pleasure, not just linking that to intercourse, but what are other things that bring you pleasure? And I heard you talk about this before about uh, pleasure being so much more than what we've been told pleasure is or what we've just experienced with other people. So, uh, in my words, I believe that the stars talk is a very powerful reflective tool for not only your relationship with other people, but your relationship to yourself and these aspects of yourself that you may have repressed or maybe feel a little bit of shame around because of one's herpes diagnosis. So just like keeping it relevant to people with herpes, that's where I'm at. But um, I'd like to hear your thoughts on how uh, STARS plays a role with the person um, who is reading about it or who is hearing about it for the first time. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah, so yeah, you know, STARS is definitely a very impactful tool to use for oneself when you have any STI diagnosis, but it's really impactful for anybody who is in relationship or wants to be in relationship to another, regardless of sex, regardless of sexuality. Like I think there are people who want to enter relationships really slowly and stars could be a really good framework for themselves. There are also people that don't even understand or don't even want to get into a relationship because they don't understand things, and stars is a really good framework to start understanding yourself sexually. Yeah. So let me go through it a little bit, and then we could go and talk about the pleasure, because, um, because I do see sexuality and relationships as a pleasurable experience that we can cultivate in our lifetime. Otherwise, life is really hard, and there's a lot of heartbreak, and there's a lot of stuff we suffer through. So let's take the stuff that we can actually get joy from and make it the best we can. So STARS is a framework that stands for five different elements that if we understand within ourselves, it will make it so much clearer what it is we want, how we want to navigate it, and then how to express this to another person so that we could co-create and get what we need and want in a relationship. So one of the big changes that's happened since the last time I did this interview was that STARS was an acronym that used to, the first S was sexual health and STI status. And that has been changed. Now the first S and almost like the foundation of the whole talk is safety and and safety needs. And I don't mean, and I took out sexual health safety needs like condoms and uh, STI prevention and contraception management. I took that out of the first S. I put that into sexual health. So the very first S is about what does it mean and how does it feel when you're safe? I think a lot of people don't understand this and we don't even understand this. And when we have a herpes diagnosis in our body, we almost inherently feel like we're not safe. We feel like we're not safe for other people to even come and touch us. And that 
we are this like infectious thing that we have to keep away or a lot and a lot of us a lot of people really integrate that into not just like oh i have this infection but now i am this infection and that that and disentangling that to that from each other is really important for us to understand hey we can be safe we can have an sti diagnosis we can have hiv we might have herpes we might have hpv whatever it is and yet we are still safe we do not this does not mean that we're going to be giving it to another person um you know the details of that could come later that's not the important part for the first s but it's really how do we feel safe and how do we know that we're safe with another person how do we feel within our bodies how do we listen to our nervous system what is our nervous system trying to tell us um, and then once we know these answers, how do we explain this to someone else? Like, hey, you know, uh, Courtney, I know that you have uh, herpes, and if I want to, in- and I know that herpes isn't just like something that we have to avoid intercourse, but it might mean that we have to avoid skin-to-skin touch if you were to have a- an outbreak. So maybe when there's times when we feel like we want to get sexy together, maybe we'll do other things like, we could just make out or hold hands or give each other massages and and exchange intimacy in these other ways that can give us a lot of pleasure but at the same time you know keep us within our safety zones of where we could both be in our truths and our true selves at the most so the first test really is to just lean into that concept of like what is it that i need to feel perfectly safe and understand like my, I may have a really low risk tolerance. I may not really feel comfortable to put myself out there. Um, and give, I, I'm so scared of giving someone herpes that I, I feel like I can't even ex- be with anybody intimately. And then it's like, okay, where does that come from? Where does that fear come from? Where does that shame come from? Where does that risk profile come from? And to really, deconstruct that to a place where it's like oh yeah that's just a story and that's just my fear oh yes that's the truth like oh i do i have you know an active case i'm breaking out right now i'm definitely not in a good place to have skin to skin contact but i know that like when my stress is down and when these are all better that everything's okay and i'm okay so it's kind of navigating those questions yeah and as you spoke to that, like that's specific to a person, you know, navigating some sort of an STI diagnosis. And these are elements that do trickle into turn-ons and avoids in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's more to this first S about safety. And I think that you've mentioned um, things like mental health safety or emotional yeah. safety. Um, since the last time we talked, there's... Uh, Cultural, <laughs> cultural safety was another thing that came up, um, and perhaps uh, like neurodivergence, communication styles. I'm learning that there are so many different kinds of people who exist that in the world of sexuality, the template that we see played out in the media does not always exclusively apply to everyone. And sometimes when we apply those, we may not get met with, hey, I would rather we do dot, dot, dot. But we may be met with Uh a trauma response, fight, flight, freeze, fawn. Um, And we may not even know that this person is having a trauma response. So safety is something that offers the opportunity to even discuss what does a trauma response look like from a person how can i as your partner recognize if there's something happening that you're not okay with how can i be supportive to you or recognize this and then you know pause and check in at the very least absolutely i mean and and this is really why safety becomes the foundation of the whole stars talk because it's so much of it it goes into all the other four aspects of the stars talk which i'll just uh go into that right now is the turn-ons like what brings you pleasure what do you want what do you desire what are your edges what are you know what is it that the ways you just like to be touched or talked to like really basic what turns you on um the next one is avoids and avoids are kind of like okay what are the things you just don't want like hey you know what i just don't like to be choked 
basic stuff like that. But it's also like, hey, I have this trauma history, or when I get triggered in bed, I tend to dissociate, and this is what it looks like. And first understanding that, like a lot of people don't even understand that. So when you first go through your stars, it's really about understanding yourself. But then once you realize it's like, oh, you know, I tend to do this thing and I tend to fawn and say yes to everything, even though my truth is saying no. And and so that is that is the avoids. And in when and I'll, I'll go I'll, I'm just going through it really quickly right now. Then the R is your relationship intentions, which is like what does sex mean to me? What, what is it? Like when I have sex with somebody, what does that mean? And then what does that mean if I was to do that with you? Like what does sex mean to us? And then expectations, which is kind of like our aftercare. If we were going to have sex, what is it that I need from you? In the moment, in the aftercare, like the days later, in, you know, in the overall picture of it. So, um, and then the last S is our sexual health and the STI disclosure. And we can always get to that last. So the first four, safety, turn-ons, avoids, relationship intentions, and expectations, are really about laying the groundwork for what is it that you want. And these are things that we're not taught when we're talking about sex education. We're taught like, okay, this is what you do to not get pregnant, not get STIs, but you're not taught any relationship skills. You're not taught boundaries. And like in our avoids, a lot of it's like, oh, I get triggered when this happens. Well, how do I protect myself? Like, what do I do so that I don't get into that situation? And in this, in the book that I'm writing, I talk a lot about boundaries and like what boundaries look like and what they feel like and the different ways they show up in our lives. Sometimes we can have different boundaries around physical space, sexual space, and, and emotional space. Um, with our safety needs, like you said, it's not just like, oh, I need to feel safe that we have condoms, but it could be that I need to feel safe because I am a Latinx woman, and when somebody likes spanks my ass just in, in a gleeful way because it's culturally accepted, that may not feel good to me. So, you know, and that doesn't make me feel safe. So, like, there's nuances to all of it, and there's nuances that are dependent on who we are in our culture, in our lives, in our age range, and where we're at navigating this crazy world of sexuality and intimacy and love. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> when I interviewed you the first time, we talked about how leading with STI status, I listened to the episode right before I interviewed. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I remember you, you spoke about the STI status uh, being important to you in that moment and I think that different people might have different priorities so different things can you know be more yeah uh, they can be brought up out of order so this isn't a conversation mm -hmm. that you a have to have in order or B has to be cookie cutter uh, okay mm -hmm. here's my s what's yours here's my T what's yours right we can do that and it really just depends on the relationship but oftentimes I find that a lot of the stars comes out in just casual conversation or in getting mm -hmm. to know someone or if it is someone that you've already expressed a shared mutual uh, romantic interest in then you might even be able to just like hey here I printed this thing off let's fill it out trade and talk about it right there are so many different ways of having this stars talk and if you just look at it uh, you go to the website, you scroll through, it might be overwhelming to you if this is your first time having to think about these things or ask yourself these questions. And if you're here finding this through something positive for positive people, I have to assume that you're influenced in some capacity by herpes stigma, whether that be your diagnosis or a partner's diagnosis, and you're figuring out how to navigate that. So thank you for being here, first off. But second, you know, it is a beautiful thing that you are coming here to learn how to navigate this discussion because it is one that we have to learn to have and that might come often later than we'd like for it to or you know whenever you find it is it's going to be the right time but we'll always think about this and go hmm i wish i had this sooner i wish i would have had this conversation before and so please don't be overwhelmed by this because in putting it in practice it does become less intimidating and it becomes more integrated into just 
your dating routine for you to be able to find and identify what it is that you want. You'll be able to go down the path of connecting with people who are not only uh, capable of giving you what it is that you want, but you get more comfortable asking and they get more comfortable reciprocating and you can identify what you're able to give and also discover some new things. You know, there's things that you like, things that you know you don't like, things that you don't know if you like. And so having this conversation allows for us to be able to really flush things out that may not have been uh, something on the surface for us. And I know how disconnected that you might be from seeing yourself having a positive, healthy, fun, pleasurable sex life. But on the other side of this communications framework, that is very possible. Mhm, mhm, and you know, I I would recommend to your one's first approach to this framework is as a way of expansion. So it's a way of expanding your concept of what it is to consider before you engage with somebody. Because a lot of us aren't taught to think about things like this way. Like I, I can't tell you how many people I talk to who I say, hey, what turns you on? What do you like? And a lot of women, especially, because I work with a lot of my patients and women, they don't know. I mean, they think, oh, I just do what I what my partner likes me to do, or my partner's really good at doing at turning me on. And I'm like, what does that mean? And so many times it's like, oh, he knows what to do to give me an orgasm. But orgasm is not the only pleasure that we get through sexuality. You know, that's only one part of it. And, and so if you take the STARS framework and break it down for yourself, not to communicate to another person, but just to know about yourself, it's really powerful. Uh, so one of the things that I know a lot of people don't ever consider, it's like, oh, what turns me on? Well, you know, I like making out. I like when they like go down on me and have oral sex. But like, does touching your arm softly, is that a turn on? Like, you know, a lot of people don't think about that and it's like, Oh my God, yes, like if a person just puts their hand on my on top of my hand and strokes my hand, whoa, that tells me something and I really like that. Now maybe I'm not gonna go on a date and be like, hey, you know, one of my turn-ons is when like you put your hand and stroke my hand softly. Yeah, I'm not gonna say that. But I may say like, I really enjoy being touched softly. I really enjoy being stroked in a non-sexual way and that really brings me into my body. Yeah. So it's not even that like you have to communicate one for one all the things that you know. It's really about self-discovery. Mm -hmm. So often the first person that you want you to do a stars talk with is ourselves and figuring it out. So, you know, in, in the workbook and in, in um, the upcoming book, I'll go through all these different elements. So, like ask yourself these questions like, huh, when the way I think makes it I feel safer when I am when people give me a chance to finish my sentences I'm just throwing something you know like I feel safer like versus when when I'm talking and somebody cuts me off it makes me feel really like not heard now you may never say that to someone but now you know that you're able to recognize that every time you're talking to somebody if they cut you off all of a sudden you feel retracted and you can identify that retraction and so then if you're on a date with somebody and somebody's doing that, you're like, ooh, I noticed this retraction. That's telling me that this may not be a good situation for me to move forward to. So these, this, the stuff that's in stars is not just, hey, this is a formularic thing that we're going to check off our marks and tell each other. But it's really a way of becoming self-aware. So then when I'm on a date, like, hey, I'm meeting Courtney for the first time, and I'm like, sitting down there and, and I hear him talking and then I am able to talk and I hear him listening to me and, and not cutting me off. I'm like, Oh, I notice my nervous system relaxing. And this lets me go a little deeper and be like, Hey, what do you think about, you know, when, if we go off to a park, like, how do I make myself known that I'm going to, hey, I'm going to let my friends know that we're going to this park right now. So, you know, so I'm letting him know that there's some people checking in on me and that, like, we're continuing to keep the safe container. It's not about necessarily, hey, 
Courtney. So we're going on this date, and I'm going to let my friends know, and I'm going to—I don't want you to drink alcohol, and we're going to do X, Y, and Z so that we could make each other safe. It's not that. It's not this formulaic thing. But then sometimes it might have to be. Like I'm just going to stay with the safety. Like it may be, it might have to be. We may be at a party, right? We may be at a party, and we're drinking, and we want to hook up, and I may need to be like, hey, this is a good plan. If we want to go hook up. I don't want to drink anymore because I don't want to get too intoxicated. Let's make sure that we could consent to like what we're going to do. Are we going to use condoms? Are we going to like afterward? Um, I don't need a text or, Hey, it'd be nice for you to like drop me home afterward. And then let's do a like check in tomorrow. So that's like my whole stars right there. Right. That's like my relationship intentions. That's my expectations. That's my safety needs. That's we talk about what we're going to do and not do. Hey, that's it. And it's easy enough. So, so stars is it's something that's a conscious understanding of what it is you need and learning how to lean into it to communicate those things yeah. that's long long-winded but yeah no I, I think it's very important that we stay on safety a little bit more mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because I think that this is a very challenging and complex component of the stars talk people come here because they're like how do i tell people i have herpes and there's no thought uh that this is actually more of a discussion you know people always tell me i have this guy that i really really like and i want to tell him but i don't know how like what should i say it's like okay well i need to know more i want to know you know how old are you how old is this person are you in the same city are you heterosexual are y'all monogamous have y'all talked about these different components of the relationship that people it it completely goes out of the window for people because of their diagnosis and they really lock into the STI status component when safety is so much more important is this person someone I feel safe to disclose to is a big question and as we speak about you know, navigating cultural safety, social safety, you know, how we interact with one another out in public. This is important because of just how to an objective third party, um, I use the example of like raising your voice. You know, I tell partners if I'm dating someone and let's say it's someone I'm dating outside my race, the way that we would look if we're loud, even if having fun, you know, someone may see the back of your head and see me laughing. My eyes are closed. I'm making an ugly face and you're like yelling trying to get through a joke that can be perceived as aggression or violence. And we have to be able to understand these social dynamics of being in an interracial relationship. Uh, Thinking about like future planning, if this is going to be a relationship, you have to look at where these compatibilities or incompatibilities may be because we might not even get to the point of um, being in a relationship if we don't align on what our bigger pictures are. If we don't align on social, political, religion views, uh, if we want to live in different areas, if uh, our career fields are going to bump heads and cause conflict in a relationship, right? So there's all of these things that really do fall under the category of safety that, Mm -hmm. again, they just go out the window completely because of a diagnosis. And people will look up and be with the first person who's accepting of them for their herpes status and then they'll be like I don't even like this person or we're not even <laughs> compatible right yeah. and this person doesn't turn them on this person does violate their boundaries this person does not uh, fit what their actual relationship intentions might be but they said okay to them having herpes so it's enough yeah and I want people to really be able to dive into what this stars talk really does, which is that self-reflection, as well as gives you an opportunity to connect with whoever it is that you're considering for a relationship moving forward. Because this also is a big confidence boost when you know what you want, you know who you are, what you stand for, where your boundaries are, and you're able to present that to another person. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I did this. um, I was on NPR to talk about how to disclose STI status. 
And there was a role play that they did with somebody who's like, where I was like, yeah, you know, part of my safety needs is that we use a barrier if we're going to have sex. Like the, the thing was we're at, a, we're at a bar, hooking, you know, meeting at a bar for the first time. And I get invited over to some, some dude's house. And, um, and I'm like, well, what was your last STI? And they're like, oh, I haven't been tested and blah, blah, but I'm good. I have no problems. And then I would be like, okay, well, um, I'm good with that, but we're going to use condoms. And then the person's like, well, I don't really like them. Well, what about just oral sex? And I'm like, well, I would use condoms. And then like that person got huffy. And it was really interesting because when I go back to the safety part of it and like, if I know how to identify when I feel safe and with my nervous system, if somebody was like, oh, yeah, I don't really care about status, you know, STI status, then I would be like, huh, my nervous system does not feel good here. And so I could pick up on this way earlier and be like, oh, this doesn't, this isn't a good match for me. But if you don't know that and if you override your nervous system because you think you're supposed to please others, then you're going to end up doing things you don't want, especially if you have an STI diagnosis, a chronic STI diagnosis, and you have to, you know, disclose this, and you're never really quite sure where, right? Maybe you're within a date, again, with this hot person, and you really want to go to bed with them, and you're like, okay, where do I di- where do I disclose this in? And, you know, if there's never a really good place to disclose it in, it's probably because you never felt safe. And you're just trying to throw it in there. And then if there's a blowback, like, ooh, wait, wait, you know, from someone, it's because you never really were safe enough to disclose it in the first place. And there's probably so many little warnings in between that that if we could pick up. Because when we understand what our body feels like and we know we're in a situation that feels right and in alignment with us, that disclosure you know, for the most part, can go a lot smoother. You may not get the outcome you want. There's never going to be an out- a guarantee of an outcome that the person will be able to hear the outcome and go for it. But the disclosure itself should can be so much more open and accepting so that if it is a positive outcome, then whatever sexual interaction you're going to have is going to be better because it's going to be based on a foundation where you know that your nervous system is is being listened to and that they can receive all the information that needs to be received and then when you go deeper into a conversation of this is what turns me on i really like to have this sort of sex or i like to be kinky or i like to do this or a place where like hey i feel like i may have be having an outbreak and maybe we need to avoid the, the you know, the genital region today, but there's so many other things we can do. How do you feel about that? Um, Or the intention of like, I just want this to be a hookup and let's have fun, but like maybe we should keep our clothes on or I'm really wanting a long-term relationship. And how do you feel about that? And again, none of the talk has to be formulaic because once you know it and once you practice it and once you're aware of it, it really flows much more easier. And I'll tell you like, like understanding the stars talk for yourself, going through it, answering the questions, doing your own stars talk to yourself is 1.0. 1.1 is when you're able to actually start communicating it with someone else, whether or not you text it to them, you have it on the, a, a paper, or you kind of just talk to them quickly. Stars 2.0 is when it's just so integrated and you know all these things and you just weave it into the conversation. And you both are able to discuss it. But now I have a STARS 3.0 plus bling bling. And that is, I know, this is the this is the golden. That is when you understand these concepts so well and you could you could get your partner or partners to express them in a way from such a safe container that you are able to actually attune to one another where it's beyond consent because you understand consent so well and you would tune to one another that rather than sexuality being what's expressed you express eros which is life force energy where the actual sexuality comes from so deep that you two are able 
to get to a place of pure erotic energy with one another. And that's like, that's like the, the icing on the cake. If one could get to that place with someone where you're so attuned and you've created so much safety and understanding with another that the only thing that could exist with you is total erotic life force energy. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> attunement is a new word for me. Um, and I think, I guess that this is a pathway to get to attunement. So talk about, when we talk about attunement, are we talking about just like connection or like anticipate each other needs? I can't Google without typing. So what, what's attunement? So attunement is, it's a very nuanced, it's an energy. It's that energetic where you can almost precipitate what your partner needs or wants and they can precipitate you within a sexual context particularly. So I'm talking about this like, you know, when you're in bed with someone and you could just, it's like when you're fully in that dance. So think of a salsa dance or a a, a tango dance when there's a leader and, and you could just move one hand along your back and your partner knows exactly what move you're gonna make and you fall into this dance of leader and follower that is done just through a small body movement, a touch, a look, and it's it's a nonverbal understanding, but it takes a lot of practice and depth to get to that place. And before you get there, you do need consent. You do need understanding. You do need communication. You need to learn to get to a place of attunement with a partner. I believe that attunement is the ultimate place where we'd like to get to so that we could be in our full erotic expression with others. Okay, so it sounds like this sense of oneness, so to speak. Yes. Um, Oneness at the same time. We each have our own agency. So it's not an enmeshment. It's like two spheres that could come together, but because of because they both have their own ability to come together and come apart. It's not like you're forced together. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. All right, so when we look at the overall framework here for uh-huh. STARS, we are setting ourselves up for as an attuned of a sexual experience as we can have regardless of the duration of the relationship so if you meet someone and you see them and you're like hey i want to do this now rather than it being you know just at the baseline of what the hookup is going to be potentially we have the ability to increase the intensity well i guess intensity is like for lack of a better word right now and make it more of what we want and also for them to express uh how it can be more of what they want so we're really expanding the capacity for our shared pleasurable experience with one another through stars as opposed to just going in and doing uh, operating from a place of assumption where I'm doing what they expect, they're doing what they expect, or uh, vice versa, and instead it's co-communicated so that it's yeah. not a lot of assumptions being made, but we're able to speak to in real time. These are things I like. These are things I don't like. Oh, great! Because if I actually don't like those things either. I saw, uh, I was watching this episode of Sanford and Son. It just happened to be on the TV. And it was a real, this is a real quick synopsis. Uh, one of the characters, I forget her name, uh, she went to the park and she dropped her hanky and she was trying to flirt. Now, mind you, Sanford and Son is from like the 70s or 80s, I believe. Yeah, yeah. That's Sanford and Son. Oh my God. Are we moving on up? Jeffersons. The Jeffersons. Wow. So <laughs> the lady, she goes out and she meets the neighbor and it's a black woman white man so they go out on a date to the movies and the show they show the subtitles across the screen and the subtitles are happening while like during these awkward quiet moments so they're on a date uh at the movies right he takes her out and she just goes out because she was looking for a date and the whole time they're thinking similar things right 
he's like, oh, I hope she doesn't want me to put my arm around her. Well, if I don't put my arm around her, she might be sad. So I feel like I need to do this thing. And in her mind, she was like, God, I hope he doesn't put his arm around me. And then he puts his arm around her because he's they're operating under these assumptions of what a date is supposed to look like. Right now, at the end of the episode, they he kissed her goodnight and the, the subtitles came back up and it was like, man, I hope that we don't have to do this again. And she's like, I hope you don't think he bought the uh take me out on another day and then they end up saying out loud they're like oh this is great we should do this again yeah all right we'll we'll make it happen and then they go their separate ways and about 10 seconds go by and they both come out and they're like hey listen i don't even know why i said that i don't want to go out with you i just want to be friends i'm like oh my god me too and they had the best it was just this big sigh of relief that they were on the same page that happened at the end of the date. They'd been on the same page the entirety of the date, but they just didn't feel like they could express that until it got to the breaking point where it was like, ah, this is the end of the day, this is the end of the night. I can't do this again. I don't even know why I'm lying to this person or why I'm lying to myself. So taking that example from this episode of the Jeffersons, not Sanford and Son, uh, think about how being quiet and not speaking up about ourselves can really inhibit our experience because if they went in with the expectations of just being friends, they may have had a much more wonderful time and the night could have ended, you know, not as expected based on societal norms of what a date should look like, but what they decided it was going to look like. So stars essentially puts the closed captioning and expression of thought for the audience that was happening in one character's mind where the other character couldn't see it it puts that out there for everyone to be able to see and be on the same page of what the experience is going to be able to look like because imagine if he said out loud I don't really want to put my arm around you. Is that something that you want? I don't want you to feel bad if I don't do it. And she'd be like, oh, God, no, please don't. Yeah, thank you. But I will take your jacket because I'm cold, right? That is, right. you know, where that's what Stars right. does. So, like, let's just, like, let me break that down. So, like, the first situation that you discussed is, like, cultural expectation, right? Let's not talk. Let's do the script. Let's do cultural expectations. Put your arm around the second part um, is the consent culture. Consent culture would be like, um, can I put my arm around you? And she could be like, no, I'm not feeling it. And he's like, okay. You know, like playing out what, what culture says, but by asking questions. That, that works really well right now because that way, like, ooh, I won't, I won't cross her boundaries by not asking. But what it does do it still puts people into the, I'm going to be the aggressor and you're going to be the gatekeeper, right? And usually that continues to fall along gender lines. So, so yes, consent culture and being very clear communication is important, but it's not the end-all, be-all. It still continues the same, uh, the same script. So then there's the, the, the stars way where you think about it. You're like, okay. Would I want somebody to put my arm around me? Would I not want him to put my arm around me? What is the intention of the state? You may say, hey, let's go to this movie and let's see how we feel and, and, and lean into that. Then maybe let's say she wanted her arm, his to put her arm around her, right? Then maybe she would like put her hand on him and sense, oh, is this something that he would want or not? Or he would put her arm on her hand. Is this something he would want or not? And they could say yes or no to each other at that time. So let's say then they've really been, they've done stars talks, they know each other, they've done it with other people. At that point, like, he might be able to lean in and be like, oh yeah, I feel this energy that maybe she wants me to put her arm around her. Or she might lean in and be like, you know what, I want to put my arm, and I'm being totally gendered here, I'm wanting to put my arm around him and I feel like that's okay. So it becomes a co-creative thing. And it becomes honest. So that if it doesn't happen at the end of the day, it could be like, wow, that was a really nice movie we went to. And let's like, how, how does a hug feel? Yes, a hug feels good. You know, it's interesting because I, I have actually been going on dates lately that I have kept very platonic. 
and this is a really new thing for me. And I um, and I said, hey, I really want to feel into things and not just move along the same script as what we usually do. And it's been really lovely just taking time and feeling into that. And I've done it because I really wanted to know what safety feels like. Like I really wanted to explore what does safety feel in my body? Do I just do things because it's the script to do it and I should be hugging or kissing or doing something? And I went on a date with somebody who's like, hey, can I kiss you? And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm really not ready for that right now, but thank you for asking, you know? And it felt really, and, and he received it very well. He received it very well. This brings up a really important point too, um, dealing with rejection. Yeah. Um, we're going to have these stars talks and i think that it is important that not only we prepare ourselves to not be in alignment with somebody else and their star talks but also for us to know that there are going to be times where we're rejecting people and um I'll give this one example of myself. Uh, I like to reserve these things for Patreon subscribers. So if you want to become a Patreon subscriber, head on over to patreon.com slash SPFPP. But I had this experience where uh, I ended up having to turn someone down. And we'd Mm -hmm. gone through the stars talk and... Uh, you know, I let her know, you know, this is the kind of relationship that I'm interested in. And she and I, we were communicating. We actually had a FaceTime talk. We met on the dating site. Uh, we FaceTimed for a while, you know, got to sort things out. And then we were making plans for when we were going to see each other. And at some point, there was some texting that was happening back and forth. And along the text messages, there was an inconsistency that I noticed. This inconsistency was uh, she shared with me, she was like, oh, well, you know, I don't want the expectation to be sex. After we had talked about, you know, wanting a sexual relationship and what that would look like and me being upfront with what my intentions were and she was on board with it, perfectly fine. So things can change throughout. But the that made me uncomfortable because it was like it it didn't feel safe to me especially in text messaging for us to have gone from all right yeah we are both available for and we want a sexual relationship to then read in text messaging I don't want for sex to be an expectation so after flushing that out a little more I, I asked you know well what do you mean and we talked through it and by the end of it, you know, I said, you know, I don't I don't know that this, you know, really feels safe for me because this there's an inconsistency here. Inconsistency is a red flag to me. So if we're communicating uh-huh. in this way and now you're you know, if your mind changes, like who's to say that you come over and I tell you I don't expect sex, sex happens after you told me you don't want sex to be expected, you leave after sex happens and then you decide that you didn't want that sex to happen now that's where this becomes sexual assault right so to me i had to just go ahead and walk away from this completely and she even Uh said to me later because uh i i talked through that a little bit with her and she was like man we would have had a really great time if you didn't ask so many questions or ha 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 and i was like uh no i don't think that that's the case and it's very it's a subjective, it's, it's very subjective. You know, we possibly could have had a great time had I not asked too many questions or had we not talked through that. But also I might have, cause I, you told me this, you said something to me a while ago about being mindful of like the power that I have or the, the becoming known and being much more careful about who it is that I am engaging with sexually. So part of my screening process is asking a whole lot of questions now uh, to make sure that we are on the same page, that there is understanding about what this relationship dynamic is. So for her to have said that, it felt very validating to me that, you know, I might have dodge the potentially dangerous situation and after learning as much as I did about her where she's coming from uh, in her relationship styles it's like she was saying yes to me uh, but no to herself in a way because 
the relationship structure that she was coming from, she wasn't used to having casual sexual relationships, to my understanding. So this would have been something that was out of the norm for her. Now, mind you, maybe she just wanted to have like some no strings attached. I don't want to think about this kind of sex, but I would hate for someone to come into that experience with me and then leave not feeling good about it and then like feel so not good about God. it that it comes back on me later down the road, right? Absolutely. So, uh, all of that just to say, when we look at this conversation, it's not a matter of I'm going to disclose my status and then this person's either going to reject me or we're going to move forward. But it's I am feeling this person out to see if they are someone who's safe for me to disclose my status to. Absolutely. If they are someone Absolutely. who's safe enough for me to pursue a relationship with, safe enough for me right. to want to have sex with. And by the end of me vetting them, they might not be, and that's okay. I have to be willing and able to say no to this experience and say, hey, this isn't really what I want, this doesn't align, and then walk away from it. Right, especially if you want great sex and authentic relationships. And an authentic relationship doesn't have to be a long-term thing. It could be a not one-night stand, right? Uh, but if you wanted to authentically be that, because it sounds like with her, she was almost warning you that she could go into fawning. Like, don't ask me too many questions, and then I could fawn. I could go into my trigger response and then blame it on me trying to please you. And then we could have a great time, but I'm going to hold on to some of my trauma by what happened. Mm -hmm. So by asking her questions, it almost made her have to take responsibility. And that was something that wasn't comfortable yet. And, and of course, the more if she was able to learn the stars talk and identify those things for herself, then she is much better off to actually get the great sex she wants and the relationship she wants. But we don't know how to do this. We're not taught how to do this in our culture. We have no framework. We're never said, hey, think about these things. Think about the fact that we all have been triggered and we all have trauma and how do we respond to that and how do we allow ourselves to know that and then how do we allow our partners to know this too so that they don't engage in in something that could be harmful for both of us yes because i believe that you know with sexual assault and mr like all of it even in the most agrarious places like harvey weinstein right who was a sexual predator and raped women and did all that and he harmed a lot a lot of people i also believe he harmed himself like there was harm to himself and the harm to himself just continued to be a perpetrator that he continues to harm others because he was harming to himself. So I think that everybody learning this framework and understanding these models is going to help all of us yeah. have the great sex and authentic relationships. Not everybody thinks they want that, though. And, I, and that could be OK, too. You know, that could be OK, too. Yes. It's all good. Um, I use our episode uh, about this, um, the episode 99, when people ask me, how do I disclose? When do I disclose? And all of that. And I tell people, you know, you want to have that conversation. You want to make it a conversation. Um, and you want to do it when you're having this conversation, right? Mm -hmm. When do I initiate and have this conversation? So I often tell people that the minute that sex goes from I like this, I've had this with other people, to I see us doing this together, or I see myself doing this to you, or you doing this to me, the minute it becomes spoken that there, um, there is, that there are thoughts about co-creating an experience, I think that that's when we want to have the conversation so that we set the expectations together rather than misfiring and having missed this opportunity of connecting once that's been mentioned because now each person has in their mind what the expectations look like and you're probably in two different areas of what your expectations are. So if when someone goes, you know, I really see myself having a lot of orgasms with you because I'm so attracted to your body, right? We can paraphrase that however, I was being general. Um, 
when that happens, it's like, oh, you want to do that? Well, how about, you know, we have a little bit of a conversation that I like to have first. You know, I like to make sure that I feel safe with partners. And these are some things that I need safety wise. Uh, let's discuss that. I have to have dot, dot, dot. What about you? And then, you know, you're flushing out the conversation, which by that point, you know whether or not you feel at least semi-safe with this person. So you can let them know, you know, one of the things I like to do to feel safe is have an understanding of my partner's overall health status or to know, you know, what it is that you're looking for and that we're on the same page. And that's when you can begin to uh, get the ball rolling on this conversation and start talking about STI status and all those things. But what you wanna do is make sure that as soon as expectations become real, that you start to set those with one another. And disclosing your status um, is really you initiating the discussion about your awareness of your sexual health and how conscious you like to be about your partner's sexual health as well. And that conversation then allows for them to go, oh, okay, well, we already talked about sexual health. I understand, you know, herpes is a thing. I understand that pregnancy is a potential thing. So we're going to wear condoms, right? Rather than the person having in their mind, like, oh, you know, they want me to, she wants me to give her orgasms. I'm going to not wear a condom and I'm going to have lots of orgasms, right? So instead of having those separate assumptions, we've got the subtitles metaphorically going back to what we said earlier to where everybody can see it. And that's what this conversation can do. And that's to me, when you want to have this conversation is when it becomes about sex with each other. Do you have any feedback on when to have the conversation, the stars talk? Well, to have the stars talk should happen from the moment that you want to get to know somebody, right? It doesn't have to be sexually, but when to have the STI disclosure and the sexual health part of it, yeah, that's why I moved it from the very first to the very end, right? I think it's when you know that you're in alignment and when you know that you want to have sex. Now, maybe you don't need to have your turn-ons and the boys when you already know you want to have sex and it's time to actually disclose something. But you definitely need to feel a sense of safety with them, right? You're not going to be saying, hey, guess what? I have herpes and the person's going to be like, oh, well, blah, 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 you slut, right? You're not going to have a, you have to feel a sense of it's going to be held. So, um, yeah. And, and I mean, sometimes for me, <clears throat> I want, I, I like to do the STI stuff first. Only because, and like asking them, because I want to know what their language they use and where they're coming from. If someone was to say to me, yeah, I was tested and I was clean, then I'm like, oh, this is definitely not someone that I am interested in getting to know more. I don't even want to go there because that means I have to teach them. And for me at this point, I'm like, I'll be a teacher for a lot of people, but not for someone I have to, I want to have sex with. Like, like somebody I'm going to have sex with has to already know that the words like clean is not acceptable and that they can have a very adult conversation about who they are um, and they can listen to who I am mm -hmm. um, with that. But I also know that I'm very resourced and I have a lot of experience and I have a lot of knowledge around STIs and I don't carry a big stigma around them. To me, they're just... You know, I think I'd rather, I would be more concerned about somebody who had active COVID than I would be as somebody who had active herpes. I like to say, like, I know over a million people in America have died for COVID in the past three years, and I don't know anybody who's died from herpes. So, like, you know, it's not a big deal. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and there's other infections that, you know, could be more of a big deal, but I'm using that one since that's what we're talking about here. But it's such, so, so, you know, you have the conversation with somebody with your STI or even sexual health. I mean, there may be men who have to have issues with erections, right? And that's a real thing. Like some men have issues with erections and they're very scared to tell their partners because then their partners think, oh my God, they don't like me. There's something wrong with me and I'm responsible for this person's erection. Or there may be women, you know, people with vaginas who don't have orgasms easily. And then their partners are like, oh my God, there's something. You know, there's so much stuff that we take on that's not ours to take on. So I think that disclosing sexual health issues is very important before we engage with someone sexually. So we know we're, what we're going into, but it should be done in a time when we feel like we're heard and we feel held and 
you know, for the lack of a better word, safe with one another as much as you can. Understanding that there's no such thing as safety. Like, let's throw that, like, I hear we are talking about safety, and yet there's nothing that's guaranteed to be safe. Mm-hmm. Um, the last thing I want to touch on here is how vulnerable of a process this is. Uh, the, the reflection, you know, even the partner that I mentioned before, and uh, she expressed discomfort with this, knowing that, oh, no one's ever asked me that before. I've never had to think about this before. So that is something to note in that as people who listening to this podcast, again, you know, I'm assuming that, you know, majority of people who hear this are uh, in some way impacted by herpes stigma. We are initiating very vulnerable conversations with our sexual partners. We are the pioneers of initiating vulnerability with people. This might be the first time someone's having this conversation. This may be the first time someone is even having someone tell them that they have herpes. And in the today's dating world, you kind of have to have a little bit of emotional avoidance or unavailability in order to survive because you have to have like thick tough skin because you are going to deal with various forms of rejection whether it be your own Mm -hmm. self-rejection or rejection from others for various reasons whether that be herpes or just some incompatibility or that something or someone better came along or just bad timing right so there are Mm -hmm. all these different reasons that you can be rejected but again you know people have to have this tough skin in the dating world today and so you coming in with this invitation for vulnerability may hit people a lot more it it may hit a lot harder than if you were to just freely be available for a sexual relationship now upside to that this person has the opportunity to be vulnerable with you and it can be reciprocated and it's a beautiful thing but I think that people are really wanting to um, connect and be able to share vulnerability it's just so rare because if everyone's scared to do it who's going to be the initiator of it and you don't know what you might be activating in someone you might be activating their vulnerable uh, and emotional availability that's been just buried beneath so many Mm -hmm. rejections and poor experiences and heartbreaks right these are all things to take into consideration but come into it from a place of power knowing that you have this tool at your disposal you have the uh connectedness to yourself to know that you are someone who is and can be vulnerable and extend this invitation for someone to be vulnerable with you and to be more emotionally available because people when they hear that someone that they might want to have sex with has herpes they have to start thinking bigger picture and they may not have had to think about that before about like how this might influence their dating life what is it that they do want uh are you someone that they want to be with long term have they ever even thought about a long-term relationship Mm -hmm. right so we are igniting all these different thoughts within a person when we are initiating not just disclosure but disclosing especially in this way so people thinking about something that they haven't had to think about before or that they are in fact thinking about for the first time it's gonna be a process for them too just like it is for us and we just have to have patience and have grace with them for that so that's really like the last thing that Uh, I uh wanted to mention here uh, because I feel like that's very important for people to understand the the value of having the stars talk, the value of having mm-hmm. a herpes diagnosis that encouraged people to get to this point of wanting to learn how to communicate around their diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Well said. Yeah, yeah. It's a revolutionary conversation. Very much. Um, now, Evelyn, you do uh, various classes, workshops. You have a ton of resources and YouTube yeah. channel, um, and you do these events virtually, periodically as well. Uh, how can people further engage with you, connect with you, and access these resources to learn about upcoming events? Yeah, um, there's a website called maketimeforthetalk.com. Make time for the talk.com and there's a lot of free resources on that. My classes will be posted. They're intermittent. 
I'll probably be doing an in-person retreat, a three-day retreat in the new year sometime. I'm doing one in Bristol in England in September, in October, but then I'll do one in the United States. It'll be a three-day retreat that'll be an embodied retreat um, on doing the, the whole stars thing. Um, and then I'll, I also teach classes on STIs, destigmatize STIs. I'll be doing a series one on herpes, one on HPV, and one on vaginitis as well, since there's a lot of things to learn about these. Most of those will also probably be happening in the new year. So if you can get on my website and sign up for, for emails, you will get notified of all of it. Yeah. Uh, all right. Thank you so much. And um, if you have, I don't know, do you have about 15 more minutes? Because we can do like a little after show for the Patreon if you have. Yes. That. Perfect. Yes, Thank I you can. so much. All right. Now, if you're hearing this okay. and you're not active on Patreon, I encourage you to head on over there and become a subscriber while the, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? While the uh, price wall is low. Um, but yes. I very much appreciate you taking the time to speak with me, and thank you all for listening to this podcast episode. This is the conclusion of it. Uh, I can be found on social media at CourtneyBrame underscore, uh, specifically Instagram. I'm on threads now. I'm back on TikTok, and I, I don't have Twitter. Uh, just, it, it's a lot. It's so many things to keep don't up with. Don't do, don't do Twitter. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, once again, something positive for positive people is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. It is the go-to hub of sexual communication resources for people who are navigating herpes stigma. Uh, you can reach out to me directly at Courtney at spfpp.org. You can visit the website www.spfpp.org, and you'll see various donation options as you hear. I am driving people to the Patreon page for good reasons. I'm wanting to be more active and involved and more uh, personalizing on that particular platform uh, with the people who have been monetarily rocking with me for a while. So, uh, yeah, I'll continue to produce these podcast episodes and interviews as people are continuing to reach out. But uh, for more of the, like, engaging and personal um information and things like that how to's how to disclose if you want to go through practice tutorials and things like that i hope to be making more of that kind of content as well um i just finished the first draft of the something positive for positive people book so i have a lot more time to be able to boost um boost boost not boost put more content on the patreon page all right um, I think that's it. Yeah, please rate, review, subscribe to, share, and again, donate to this organization, this podcast. And uh, yeah, I'm accessible on the website, Courtney at spfbp.org. Till next time.